0: Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of MyOStrength. And joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of BB Fit. Let's hold center.
1: Yo, Spilk, what's going on? Happy Valentine's Day, girl. Happy Valentine's Day, the day of love. You know, I I mean me and ash are kind of not too big valentine's day people to be okay. honest um we actually texted about the other day thinking that you know we don't need a day to prove our love to our significant others our partners um okay. but um my partner loves valentine's day so it's going to be a banger um cooking dinner at home um like some surf and turf some of <laughs> Yeah. Cheesecake dessert, things like that. Things that I can't eat essentially. Well, I can't have (laughs) cheesecake because I'm dairy and gluten-free, but, um, I don't even like cheesecake anyways, but yeah. Um, I know you ask me this every week, like how is my week going? What's up? And I never have an answer prepared because I always feel like my weeks just kind of bleed together. They're the same. Um, I'm definitely same shit, different pile. And I like that, but I will say, um, next podcast we record, I will have something exciting to say about my week. Um, but how is your past week? Like, what have you been up to? How's your day? It's
0: been going really well. Um, obviously like Valentine's day, Eric and I don't really celebrate Valentine's day, but it, this is our 10th Valentine's day together. Like yeah. we've been together for 10 years. And so he actually came up with the idea yesterday that what we should start doing is since we're not like big Valentine's day people is to do like to plan the worst Valentine's day every single year. So we would have like, like divorced parents where it's like, I have odd years. He has even years. And we plan the worst Valentine's day day, like get each other, like the awful Russell Stover's chocolates, teddy bears, you know, go out to Logan's roadhouse steakhouse instead of like a nice meal. And I was like, Loki, I love that. But this year, what I did is I got like a little poster board from Walmart and a bunch of different energy drinks. Um, And I made like a funny, like sexual sign. Like, I hope you're ready to bang. We're in the prime of our life. And just using like different like energy drinks as like little like funny innuendo. So that was a lot of fun. And then I made him like some bomb egg tacos. So that was his breakfast this morning. And it was very nice. And he bought me coffee. So like, we just, we're loving our caffeine. Caffeine's our favorite drug. but enough about me and our weeks, because we have a very special guest, you guys. Like, I li- I literally was, like, fawning over her the first, like, five minutes she got on the podcast. Like, it was kind of embarrassing, and, and uh, Spilks made sure that it was embarrassing for me. But <laughs> we have freaking Dr. Carrie Jones with us today, and she, like, to me, she's, like, pregnant alone. She's, like, the mother of all mother hormones over here when it comes to women's health. That's how, like how much respect and awe that I have for her and what she does for women's health. Um, for those of you that maybe are unfamiliar with her, she does a lot of, um, great educational, um, information on her Instagram. She is very well known for her bathtub analogy on how estrogen is detoxed from the body, which I am a huge fan of that clawfoot bathtub, but Dr. Carey, I'm going to stop talking and I want you to take it away. Who are you? Like, what are you known for? And, you know, what are some things that you've done in the past for just like advocating for women's health?
2: Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Second of all, I don't think I've ever been compared to pregnenolone and is that's the best ever. <laughs> right.
0: The mother oh my of gosh. all like hormones, pregnenolone.
2: I will take it. I love it. So thank you to two of you. Um, I have been in this field of sort of functional naturopathic integrative medicine. This July, it'll be about 24 years. And I've really just been focusing on hormones pretty much the whole time. And uh, in school, I did my residency and, and endocrinology and hormones, private practice, predominantly focused on hormones. I worked for the Dutch test for almost a decade which is a specialty test that focuses on hormones. And the big thing that I felt around hormones was I would have all these women of all ages. It didn't matter if she was 16, 24 or 74. That was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about my body. I didn't know that about my cycle. I didn't know that's how like you really got pregnant. I didn't know what is this thing I'm transitioning to menopause? Um, what all the things. Right. And so I was like, oh my gosh, how, do, how have we, the system failed us so poorly. And I just thought it was maybe me. I um, grew up in Lexington, Kentucky and any health sex ed class was taught by the football coach. So you can imagine how that mm-hmm. went. And so <laughs> I was like, well, sure. When you're raised in Kentucky, like, you know, things are a little bit backwards. And so, but when the more and more and more, I talked to women first where I live in Portland, Oregon, but then across the globe, they're like, nope, didn't know. Nobody taught me that. I thought, man, if we just had some basic education around how our bodies function and then there's like things we can do about it, we would probably save a lot of money and a lot of stress, a lot of health issues. And so that's sort of been my crusade is just women's health 101. And then what can you do about it?
0: I love that. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest as well, specifically Ohio. So we're actually pretty close to uh, (laughs) one another. And I I went went to college in Ohio, actually. No way. Where Wittenberg. In wow. Springfield I went to Ohio University. So yeah, I'm oh well, yeah. going together. I love that. But yeah, my sex ed, if you can call it that, I went to a private Christian school. So my sex ed was like <laughs> abstinence. And then the only time that I really got educated and I used that term so loosely about what was happening to my body is when I started my period at the ten years old and I got this little pink book, right from my mom, being, yeah. like explaining like what is happening to your body. That was essentially it. So I thought, from society and from just kind of like the the stigma around it that like this is something to be feared mm-hmm. shameful disgusting you know like the tampax commercials were would always just like the way that it's broadcasted especially when you're a little girl is like this is something that you dread you have to get the super duper you know xl tampon you know here's your adult. You know, here's your chocolate because the next couple of weeks of your of your you know, cycle and the hormone fluctuations is gonna be crappy. Right. And it's like, okay, this is what it's like to be a woman. It just sucks. So that's what my mom says. It sucks to be a woman. Same. And that was yeah. how I grew up.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's really sad and unfortunate. I saw a meme once a long time ago. It's of the company. It was a man holding a Playtex tampon box, and it's a woman running. She's running on the box. You know. And so the subtext was like, is this for sport mode? And I was like, if periods only had sport mode, that would be amazing. No, we don't get, no, sport mode is not what we have.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, why don't you go ahead and help us dive into a brief overview of what is a normal or healthy menstrual cycle? How should a normal menstrual cycle look? Is the menstrual cycle just like the actual bleed or is it this whole big thing? Like, you know, kind of give a little bit of a rundown for that.
2: And this is actually a great place to start because so many, well, it doesn't matter who you are, a lot of people are really confused on what happens in the menstrual cycle with your period. What is ovulation? So I explain the menstrual cycle as a very controlled roller coaster. Um, what I mean by controlled is that it should go your hormones, your two main hormones that occur in the menstrual cycle are estradiol, which is one of your estrogens, and progesterone. And so they have a very controlled sort of up down pattern depending where you are in your cycle, that, that has this. So the average cycle is somewhere between like 26 and 32 or 34 days. You will read all the time in the books, it's 28 days, but that's there's some wiggle room, of course, on either side. And then somewhere in the middle of your cycle, you your menstrual cycle, you will ovulate, which is where you release an egg. So when we start from the beginning, we call the first phase your period. Your first day of bleeding is the first day of your menstrual cycle. And so your hormones are really quite low at that point, which is sometimes why some women feel unmotivated or they're feeling blah or yucky or what have you, just because their hormones at a really, really low point. They were high and they've come down to a low point. So you've ridden that roller coaster straight down. And that's sometimes how we feel. Then your estrogen, estradiol, starts to rise and we start to feel better. We start to feel more motivated. We start to like, if we're. We're um, hitting maybe PRs if you're exercising, you feel better when you're exercising, things are good. Then we get up to ovulation. So, at ovulation, is where you release the egg. Once you release the egg, your progesterone comes out to play. So, progesterone's low in the first part, comes out significantly in the second part. Now that you're in the second part, we often call this the luteal phase, but we can also maybe align it to like the nesting phase. So, you might feel more snugly. You might feel more cozy, right? You might feel more Netflixy. You might feel more, you know, like you're eating comfort foods, depending. You're not maybe exercising as hard as you want it to or could. It's, it's not feeling as right. You're feeling more towards yoga or Pilates or stretching or walking. And then assuming you're not pregnant, those hormones go cool. You're not pregnant this month and they go down and you get your period. So as your estrogens and progesterone go down, you get what's your bleed. Now, you start over again. It's the same exact roller coaster track for the most part. Now I say for the most part because we in hopefully are born with two ovaries, righty and lefty, and our ovaries are sisters not twins. I realize twins are sisters, but what I mean is lefty and righty don't have to do the same thing. So some of us might say, yes, every cycle is the exact same, it's very predictable, my symptoms are very predictable, it's cool. Others go, "Ah, so weird. Some months I have ABC symptoms and some months I have XYZ symptoms and it might go back and forth, or you might get four or five cycles in a row where you feel ABC and all of a sudden XYZ happens. It's entirely possible that lefty and righty are just going at different um, increments or different months. And so you can get these different feelings. So, when I tell women this, they're like, oh my gosh, I thought it was me. I thought I was crazy. I said, no, this is why tracking is so important. So, you can kind of maybe gauge do you feel the same all the time? Do you go back and forth one month, the next month, one month, the next month? Or do you have, you know, four or five good, and then all of a sudden you feel like a, a bomb got dropped on you? And so, it's important to know because while I said it's a controlled track, the track can shift a little bit depending on outside influences, but also what your actual ovaries are. doing. And so if we just learn this, if we just learn this information young, imagine the amount of confusion and frustration we would alleviate if we knew this. And instead, here we are learning it probably for the first time for a lot of people.
0: (laughs) I I am. I I didn't know the sister analogy. Lefty
2: and righty. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sisters, not twins.
0: I, so I,
1: like
0: can you, <laughs> I am too. Can you dive in just a little bit? Like, so for example, let's say the right ovary is like the good girl. And then the left mm-hmm. ovary is the bad girl. What might a female experience if she's like a, experiencing more of the good ovary or the bad ovary, or just talk a little yeah. bit more about that. Cause I'm like blown away. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Now, sometimes you, you may have no idea which ovary is doing what, unless you can f- maybe feel it. So some people feel ovulation. Mm-hmm. They'll feel twingies, right? They'll feel twingies on the right side, twingies on the left side. And they're like, Oh, cool. That's the side I ovulated on th- that month. So for example, I'm a right dominant person. So I generally, when I get close to ovulation, feel the little twingies on the right side. Um, people have had a pelvic ultrasound. You have to go get an ultrasound for something on the belly, for the uterus, and they will tell you in the ultrasound, Oh, it looks like, it looks like you ovulated on the left side this month. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just having that information can be like a starting point for some people. Other people have no idea. They're like, I do not feel myself ovulate. I've never had an ultrasound. How do I know? I'm like, it really doesn't matter lefty or righty. It's the symptoms. Meaning if righty is the good one in your example, then you may have really regular, smooth, minimal to no PMS, easy bleeding type periods. But if lefty is the bad one and you get a lefty month, then you might start to feel like, oh my gosh, I got a migraine this month. My PMS was out of control this month. My depression came on super strong this month. My anxiety was super bad as I got close to my period. And then it went away. Like, what do you think happened that one month? Now, again, outside influences, stress, diet, illness, lifestyle, et cetera, travel can all interfere with that. But it also might just be lefty for whatever reason is not doing as great. It's, it's not getting as much nourishment. It doesn't get the pulses from the brain as well. Um, it's not developmentally. It's just not as strong as the right side of the right ovary. And again, like I said, as we're tracking is helpful because some people are very random. Some people go right side, left side, right side, left side, which is what we were all taught in school, but others are very dominant on one side. And then the other side will go and so just sometimes just knowing that information, like, oh my gosh, I get a migraine every three months. Like, I wonder if I'm like, it's the other side that's going, what can we do?
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Learn something new. How about you Spokes?
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And then you answered like my question, like that I was going to ask, which is like, Does it like bounce back and forth? But you said like everyone has their own pattern. Like there's no way to essentially favor one side over the other. It's just how your body essentially responds. Um, So that's really neat. That's like really cool. And I was just thinking this past weekend, I had a migraine actually, like right before I got my period and I haven't had a migraine in Jesus months Mm. I wonder because, like, my mother growing up, she always had migraines, and I started getting them when I got my cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, and then I haven't had one for a while. Um, and then all of a sudden I just got this one, and then I got my period. I was like, I wonder if it's hormonal, but I don't get them every time. Every time I get my sex, I don't get the migraine. So that was something that I literally just learned because it's like, cool, it's probably coming from a different ovary, which is mind blowing.
2: It might be. Now, speaking of migraines in particular, so I'm prone also to menstrual migraines, and, um, the fluctuation in hormones when people are like, what does it mean when I get a migraine either the day before my period or the day of, or the day after my period? So it's, it's related to the drop in specifically, we think estrogen, estradiol mm-hmm. and how it affects, um, uh, a serotonin in our brain. And then subsequently the nerves, um, we have a nerve, the trigeminal nerve that get, can be irritated for lack of a better word. And so the drop in estradiol the the rapid change, um, affects our pain and we get, we get these migraines. Now other things play into migraines too, of course, hydration, stress, sleep, nutrients, you know, so it's also possible people's migraine bucket is getting fuller and fuller and fuller through the month. And then estrogen shifts and it's the bucket's like, well, I'm full. So I'm going to overflow and give you a migraine at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. so it can be, it's, it can be definitely combination when it comes to migraines migraines suck
0: (laughs) (laughs) for sure yes absolutely absolutely so you we kept talking about this term ovulation Mm -hmm. kept coming up and obviously you did a wonderful job explaining what ovulation is but why specifically is it important for the female athlete to have ovulatory Mm -hmm. menstrual cycles what's the clinical significance of that
2: It's interesting. So a lot of people refer to the menstrual cycle, but specifically ovulation is a vital sign. So if you can ovulate or release an egg, then it is as helpful uh, as a feedback on a vital sign as like your pulse or your blood pressure or your respiration, et cetera. And the reason for that is, especially for athletes, ovulation is releasing an egg in the attempt that you may or may not reproduce. But the point is you are safe enough, healthy enough, you know, everything's in like where it should be for reproduction to occur. If you are working out too hard, right? We're talking about the athlete. So if you were overtraining, under-eating, not getting enough sleep, not recovering, then the brain goes, ah, not this month. I don't, I don't think we should really, I don't think we should reproduce. We should risk it this month. And so you may not ovulate. So when I have athletes that come in, whether they're high school students, all the way up to professional athletes, And they say, not, you know, either I don't get a cycle or I know for sure that I don't ovulate. I'm like, okay, really good chance. One of the things that I just said is causing feedback to your brain and going, you know what? I scanned, I scanned the body. I scanned the area and this doesn't look good. So I'm not going to risk reproduction to be, you know, because of the, the things that you're doing right now. So we literally use it as a vital sign. How are you safe enough, healthy enough? Everything's where it's supposed to be. You got enough nutrients, et cetera, to reproduce if you wanted to. Now, this can be a really hard for for a lot of people to hear because a lot of people might go, well, I don't want to reproduce. I don't want to reproduce, right? Like at this moment in my life, I do not want to reproduce, but I do know getting, not having an ovulated ovulatory cycle is a vital sign means I'm, things are going well internally and externally for me. And it helps me produce the hormone progesterone. So you don't make that hormone progesterone I mentioned earlier, unless you release that egg or ovulate and progesterone is our calming, soothing, relaxing, everything's going to be okay. Hormone. It is very important for reproduction if we wanted to reproduce, but it is also good for the mental emotional. So I know even though I don't want to reproduce and a lot of athletes I know don't want to reproduce at that moment, we still want the ovulation. We still need it.
1: Right. Yeah, no, that it really is important. So just to kind of take a few steps back. So, you know, Ash and I are bodybuilders. We work with a lot mm-hmm. of bodybuilders, so high level athletes there. So just to kind of run through the list, like why might some female athletes lose their period just to kind of back it up and like what yeah. we specifically do that might cause us to have an absent period.
2: So it used to be called the triad, right? The the female athlete triad. And now they've changed it to reds, R-E-D-S, mm-hmm. which basically is under eating, over training, lack of recovery in multiple systems so um there is a uh, educator and doctor dr stacy sims and she has this great wheel of all the different systems in your body immune system and you know endocrine system and cardiovascular system etc and she's she shows that with the, the female athlete or the triad the original it was just a few symptoms or systems it was just like your endocrine system so ovaries but now with Reds, we know it affects everything from the brain to your heart to your immune system to your ovaries to the thyroid, like to absolutely everything. And so we have to be really mindful with with athletes that they are paying attention, one, to all their systems, but two, again, the under eating, overtraining, not recovering, plus everything else can lead to lack of a period. Because again, the body's scanning, the body is constantly on watch as a female. Are you safe enough? Healthy enough? nutrified enough to reproduce if you wanted to. And if you're not, we're going to yank it. We're going to change it. And so a lot of athletes, even though they may be super happy, top of their game, loving life, hitting PRs, but they're overtraining, under eating, not recovering. And so the brain goes, probably not the best time to have a baby. Let's, let's change this.
0: Absolutely yeah. no. That was a great answer. Um, with this, we're kind of. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to ask you this question because <laughs> I fear it might trigger you. But since we're talking about stress and why a female athlete might lose her period, there's this thing that floats around, especially on Instagram, where we do a lot of our education, where people talk about progesterone steel, pregnanolone yes. steel, yeah. cortisol steel. <laughs> I yes. know, I know. You're laughing. You're like, oh, "Crap!" No, no. It's so good. here's the deal. Can you talk about that? Can you myth bust it just a little bit? Because I know the way that it's talked about is misunderstood thinking that if you were stressed out, it's progesterone steel. So kind of talk a little bit about that for us.
2: So let me tell you what the myth is and then I'll and then I'll bust it. So the myth is when that, so when you look at what's called a steroid pathway, so you look at a steroid pathway, which is essentially how do you make a hormone? starts with cholesterol, turns to that hormone pregnenolone you said earlier, and then divides out from there, like a whole spider web out. How do you make your estradiol, your testosterone, DHEA, cortisol, progesterone, et cetera. So you're looking at a flat piece of paper and it makes complete sense when you're following the arrows of if your cortisol is elevated, high arrow, that that everybody's going to divert that way. like Like a river you've just diverted away from the progesterone arrow and progesterone will drop down. So naturally it got called the steal like, Oh, on this flat piece of paper, this is exactly how it happens. Except in the body, it's not a flat piece of paper. These things are occurring in multiple cells and multiple glands. And as far as we know, the glands don't steal from each other because to make a hormone occurs in the mitochondria. So you need to make cortisol because you're stressed or something's happening or it's the morning. So your adrenal glands your zona fasciculata, pull cholesterol into the mitochondria, turn it into pregnenolone. Pregnenolone goes out next door to the endoplasmic reticulum, turns into other things, comes back into the mitochondria, becomes cortisol, and goes out into circulation. So as far as we know, the adrenal glands are not looking over at the ovary going, I'm going to need to borrow some of your pregnenolone. I'm going to steal it, or I'm going to steal it out of circulation. Because the very first step is cholesterol turning into pregnant alone in a very tightly controlled system in the mitochondria. So we all learned in school, the mitochondria are, you know, it's where we're our energy, cellular powerhouses. True. They also make our hormones, our steroid hormones. So that's, so the myth is because on a flat piece of paper, it makes total sense. Follow the arrows. But in reality, as far as we know, the glands don't steal from each other and cholesterol is the first step. Now, what does happen though, is at the brain level, you're stressed out. You need to make a lot of cortisol. So the brain says, your hypothalamus says, huh, there's a lot of cortisol, a lot of stress happening, a lot of adrenaline. I am going to down-regulate the pulses, push down, suppress the pulses to make progesterone to ovulate. And I'm gonna increase the pulses to make cortisol. Everything's like Morse code in the brain. It's all in a pulse system. And the different lengths and timing and pulses push out different hormones. So the Morse code to make progesterone or to ovulate goes down and the Morse code for cortisol goes up. and That's how cortisol, it's essentially stealing progesterone, but from the brain, it's stealing the signal, so to speak, instead of actually stealing the hormone itself, the brain scanning. But I get why, I get why the myth is out there. Now, if in however many years, there's not a lot of money put towards this research because it's not important to anyone but us. But if in a many years somebody goes, guess what? Amoeba like arms do go out from the mitochondria of the adrenals into the mitochondria of the ovaries and they do steal. I will own, I would be like, well, hot damn, great. And we will say the steal exists. But as far as we know, amoeba like arms don't go and, and like steal out of each other's mitochondria.
0: Snaps and claps. That was a beautiful explanation. I think it's more appropriate to say, like, a reprioritization, right? Because nothing yes. is being stolen. It's yes. just what is the brain prioritizing right now? If you are overtrained, under eating, especially in like a contest prep scenario where all you're doing is cardio, you're weighing out your food to the gram, eating bird sized portions to shred down to sift on stage, mm-hmm. your body's going to be like, yeah, sis. Now it's not the time to get pregnant. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. I'm really glad that you explained it that way because that was so well done. So that way people can be like, oh, so it's not that my you know cortisol is being is stealing the progesterone and I'm not making it. The brain is just like, yo, now it's not the time.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I will get pushback sometimes of people who go, well, I started taking progesterone and I felt better. I was like, of course you did. You're in a deficiency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're replacing. You're just straight up replacing the deficiency with progesterone, and progesterone is. calming soothing relaxing everything's going to feel okay Mm -hmm. hormone of course you feel better it doesn't mean that that arrow river redirection is happening Mm -hmm. i love that yeah it's reprioritizing don't get pregnant deal with your stress (laughs) yeah i tell you what if we could have like a little switch again i joke all the time that I would like to be the goddess of the female body, not like of humanity. That seems like a big job and awful, but like, there's a few <laughs> things around our body. I would change just a few dates, like, like a, like a flip switch, like, yes, I want to get pregnant. No, I don't. Or, you know, some just certain switches. I've had some requests through the years of things to shift and change. So I would, up, I would update us. We need a windows or an iOS update. And I love it. I so know. yeah,
0: instead of <laughs> destroying our bodies and our natural system by using like something like birth control, like like actually like just hormonal a switch. birth control. Yeah. Just a switch. much. Just yeah. 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 Like
2: not this, you know what? Not this month. I mean, it doesn't mean like it's gonna, it's not gonna mess us up or change, you know, it's just like like a like a little barrier goes up. Like, not this month. Let's just let's just close that off. We're just gonna move on to the next exit. Thank you. <laughs>
0: So we're talking about essentially like the stress and why a female athlete might lose her period, especially, like I said, in a contest prep scenario, but how can she recover her period? How can she get that orchestra back after contest prep and after like this long period of dieting and being at such a high straight with a high stress with over-exercising, under eating and extreme low body fat. Right.
2: Right. So with, with competition, as we know, when, when you are done and you it's the next day or the next week, then oftentimes what women will do is they will, they will do like a reverse engineer, right? Because they're so focused on, like, I worked so hard to get to this weight, this physique, this look. um, And so I have to be very careful the next day or the next week, you know, as I reverse myself into this. So instead of just thinking only about what the scale says or how you look or the inches, Keep in mind, it also applies to your menstrual cycle. So as you are reversing out of competition, however that looks for you, it is going to positively affect your menstrual cycle. So when you finally recover for real, reduce the stress. You know, um, maybe potentially that even means gain some weight. Your body, the brain, who is now scanning the system, is like, oh, phew. Okay, so we've gained a little weight. We're totally recovered. We're not in fight or flight all the time. Um, All right. The signal, the Morse code is going to come back and we are going to bring the cycle back. Now, does this happen right away? For some competitors? Absolutely. Within the first month, it's like the brain is so happy it gives their period back. And for others, it doesn't. It can take three months, six months, nine months. I mean, it can take a while to come back because they lost it for a long while. So if it If you've lost it, let's say you've been in prep for, you know, six months and you lost it pretty quickly, it might take you six months to get it back because, you know, it's like a seesaw you came in with six months, it's probably going to take you six months to decompress and and go the other way. Um, But that doesn't mean there aren't things you can do in the meantime. And there's definitely, you know, supplements, nutrients, herbs that are, that are like brain mitochondria, ovarian supportive, but no supplement per se is going to, um, it's just a band aid. So if you are still doing stressful things, or if you've just pivoted your stress to something else, um, or if you've, you've maintained um, you were, you know, like when you are weighing your food to the, to the, so you can make, make sure you hit those macros, which you're eating like a bird, you haven't changed anything. You're probably not going to get that cycle back, even though you've stopped the majority of your prep. So with it, it could, it could take a little bit of time to back yourself into this and keep in mind, the amount that goes into prep affects all areas of the body. Like I said, your thyroid, your immune system, your brain, your heart. So all of those systems have to get back into sync and get back to a healthy level. Um, mm-hmm. And it may not be an at once thing. They may kind of have a trickle effect mm-hmm. on you. So it may ta- again, it may take you a couple months for recovery.
1: Yeah. I know for, for me personally, I've lost uh, my menstrual cycle, both contest preps that I did. Um, and for me, I noticed that when I got to a, obviously I was decreasing stressors, wasn't training as hard, not as much cardio, eating more food, you know, wasn't eating these bird size portion shit that no one, like you can't even satisfy hunger with. But for me, when, even when I lost my period, when I got to a certain weight point, is I both times lost it when I got to like 130, like 32 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then when I got it back, I had to, I was over that, that set weight point. So I know it's very, very hard for competitors that, that struggle, you know, for physique athletes that our goal is to be, you know, peeled, to be threaded. Mm-hmm. So having that, that weight gain, it can be very daunting. And I have yeah. seen competitors that will just be like, no, I can't, I don't but then they continue not to have a cycle. So, you know, I mean, what would be the repercussions of not having a cycle for an extremely extended long period of time? Um, Mm -hmm. what does lab work show during that time? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So there's actually a hormone called leptin and leptin is made in our fat cells and, uh, it deals with our energy expenditure, burn energy or, or, say or store right burner store so when you eat food and your energy stores this is like the easiest description ever your energy stores are full then your leptin gets released you know your body's like don't store anymore or don't eat anymore let's like let's lower your appetite let's burn some energy so fat cells release leptin leptin goes up into your brain crosses up into your blood brain barrier binds and it's like hey we're good down here so you don't need to eat much anymore. If you don't have a lot of fat stores because you have been you you are shredded, you've gotten yourself down to an extremely low level of body percent because that's what you're using for competition, then the brain is looking around like, I haven't talked to leptin in a really long time. Where's leptin, right? And and so because leptin is just not talking to the brain, what often can happen is then the brain goes, well, we don't have enough energy, we don't have enough adipose to maintain a pregnancy if that was a goal because whether we want to get pregnant or not the body preps for it every month so then it's like well then we're not gonna we're not gonna do it this month we're not gonna cycle this month we're just gonna we're just gonna kill the cycle because I don't know where leptin is so when it comes to body fat this is a huge reason I know it's so 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 hard competitors will get back up some weight they'll get a little bit of um, normal fat on their body now leptin's talking to the brain again. And the brain's like, cool, awesome. Right. We hit the set point where I feel safe and let's get your cycle back. But the thing is when you lose your cycle, usually things like bone health, bone fractures are the biggest thing talked about. You know, that estrogen, you don't know those cycling hormones. Um, we see this all the time in young athletes, the middle school, the high school athletes, the college athletes. Now they have bones, bone fractures, bone issues, especially in the runners, um, things like mm-hmm. that. But what we Don't, what doesn't get taught about is the important on these hormones, like, like estrogen, estradiol on the brain, on the immune system, on our mood, on our skin, all the things are heart. And so if you lose your cycle for long periods of time, bone is the big risk, but so is everything else, you know, immune system, heart, brain, mood, skin, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I said, progesterone is the calming, soothing, relaxing, everything's going to be okay hormone. And so now maybe you're prone to more insomnia. Now maybe you're prone to more anxiety. Now you're not feeling calm. You're kind of on edge all the time, feeling fight or flight. And so by losing your period, on the one hand, you're like, this is great because I don't have to deal with my period when I'm competing. But on the other hand, you're also losing the benefit of all those hormones. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So what do you think of a uh, athlete hasn't had her cycle in a few years, just because of either poor coaching practices, her own stress, you know, stuff going on where she even had like a finicky cycle, you know, growing up, you know, throughout the years, do you think there's any hope of her recovering a natural cycle or in your experience is like, is HRT maybe something she could consider, should consider talking like mid, mid twenties, mid to late twenties.
2: So first, it's a super great question because the very first thing, um, what I, we've been talking so much about athletes, which is fantastic, but I also don't want somebody listening to this to be like, it's just because I'm an athlete and get no further workup. So for example, if they have thyroid problems, hyper or hypothyroidism will screw up your cycle PCOS polycystic ovary syndrome, right? PCOS for a lot of women will screw up their cycle. Having um, a prolactinoma, which is a, a non-cancerous tumor in the, the um, pituitary of your brain, and it affects with a hormone called prolactin. And when you have high prolactin, screws up your cycle. Like there's other reasons as well. Meta, certain medications um, can, you know, making sure um, uh, even things like, believe it or not, like opioid pain medications, or she did birth control from 14 years old to 22 years old. And she's an athlete, but she went off the birth control, continued to be an athlete. you know. Like So this history, these things are really, really important um, for first finding out for athletes. Let's say we've ruled all of that out. It's none of those things. Everything's been worked up and it's really just, she's a highly competitive athlete, hasn't had her period in a while. So I'm not happy. I want her to have her cycle. So I'm definitely, I, one is education. Athletes here and see online, it's it's almost like common versus normal. Their mm-hmm. coaches tell them or their friends tell them, oh, it's super, super common, super. You're going to lose your period. It's super common. It's not a big deal. Everyone. Did you see the whole team? The whole team has lost their period. It's totally fine. But I'm like, uh, it's not fine. You know, like, sure. If you miss it a couple months because you were in crazy prep for whatever it is fine, but let's get it back. But if it's been years and you've been told that's normal, that's not normal. And I'm concerned about the long-term detriments. So then yes, I have put young girls on hormone replacement therapy to protect their bones in particular, um, already getting stress fractures, already having hip issues already like, you know, spine stuff, um, osteopenia, oste- I'm like, Whoa, we too young for this. Let's mm-hmm. really address it. I am not afraid to jump into the hormone replacement therapy while we are figuring this out. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you then figure it out? Because obviously if you're using an exogenous hormones, like, are you giving your body a reason to like even start a production again? Or is it in your mind, you're kind of like jump-starting things you're given like, you know, estrogen and progesterone mm-hmm. to help your body kind of remember what to do again.
2: Yeah. And you will sometimes see, um, I've had OBGYN friends who will, in that case of the athlete who's lost her period for years, we will trial, um, we'll do withdrawal trials. So we will either put them on a birth control pill for a month or two and see, do you get the withdrawal bleed? Do you, we call, they call it a period, but we know it's a hormone withdrawal bleed um, or we'll put them on high doses of progesterone. They will often use a fake version called a progestin. We'll do it for 10 days and have them stop. And if they get that withdrawal bleed, it's encouraging like, okay, that the brain is reacting and bleeding is happening. So this is a really good outlook. I had a, I had a young girl, she was a, she was high school, um, distance runner. Um, but she also had a few, um, enzymatic, like in inborn errors of enzyme deficiency things. And so, uh, we, so it, she was, she was a genetic hard one because she was already an athlete, had some genetic issues. And so, Mm -hmm. We the progesterone didn't work for her at all, but she did get a bleed with the birth control pill. So I was like, okay, it's just gonna take a lot of time. Yeah. The brain wants to respond. Um, we, we have to really just get this jump starting. So the HRT definitely can in some cases be suppressive. You have to be careful. Um, for example, progesterone, if you put somebody on progesterone, uh depending on the dose, you can suppress their own ovulation. Mm-hmm. So we tend to cycle it have them on to you know especially if they have no period on for two weeks mm-hmm. off for two weeks on for two weeks and we're just trying to create a cycle it's you know to try to get them their own body yeah. to come back and do its thing yeah yeah and Which we're with anything talking, with hrt you got to know what you're doing especially with the athlete especially in this
0: case yeah for sure so specifically with like an oral progesterone so obviously you can go on amazon and get like yam extract like progesterone yes. cream yeah. or even using chase or vitex but like specifically yeah. like what other like things can maybe coaches utilize or even someone advocating for their own health do naturally after they've done a stress reduction, mm-hmm. they've altered their life, you know, making sure plenty of micronutrient diversity. Like I hate to be like, what supplements can you use? <laughs> but I do think it is important once yeah. someone has done their homework to use proper supplementation to help supplement their efforts.
2: Well, you mentioned chase tree, and that is one of my favorites. So mm-hmm. chase tree Berry is also known as Vitex. And, um, I call it an adaptogen to the ovarian system. It kind of like adapts to what you need. There's some cool research and study on it. Um, even with women with, uh, with PCOS, it gets a bad rap in the PCOS community. I have definitely used it with PCOS patients with a lot of success, but some people don't like it. Right? Just like with any I, herb.
0: I have two, I'll be honest. I have yeah. two and I great success with their periods. They're like, oh yeah. my gosh, my ovaries used to be a mess. And now I'm like, I'm happy as a bee. I'm like,
2: yeah. Great, that's what I said. Great, like, Good <laughs> and if you don't like it, call me and let me know. And we'll switch you to something else, but yeah. So, Chase Tree works from the brain down, that's one of the ways that, and it's again, all those pulses um, from the brain down. And so, when it comes to period stuff, remember it starts in the brain, so brain health is important, everything from posture. You know, people who've had concussions, a lot of athletes have, for various reasons, depending on sport you're in, have had concussions. Um, they're on, they're looking down at their phone all day. They're sitting all slouched around in their chair, right? They've really tight muscles and it's affecting their blood flow up and down. Even anything is like snoring, young people snore, mouth breathing, because they've got all this chronic sinus rhinitis stuff. All of that affects oxygenation up to the brain, which then affects the hormones down. Then think about it down to the ovaries and the abdominal area. So even like, think of our endometriosis patients and our friends, they have a lot of scar tissue. They have a lot of that endometriosis that grabs onto everything. It affects blood flow, venous flow, lymph flow, all the things. Surgery, young women who've had C-sections or, well, any age, but we're talking sort of young athlete who've had a C-section, they've had that C-section scar, that scar can adhere to things and, and can affect again, blood flow in the area. And so even these little details, people don't even think about, they're like, oh my gosh, I totally had a surgery for whatever reason. I had my appendix out and it, it was a ma- bigger deal than I thought it was. They were thought it was going to be. And I have all this, you know, like adhesion around that scar or, um, oh my gosh, I had to, I played soccer in high school and I had two major concussions but can, can, like no and you're right ever all my hormones ever since this has just sort of been kind of a mess so even some of these details coming out um can be really helpful when I'm deciding like what supplement might helpful what therapy might be helpful what way are we going for this to work because it doesn't get talked about uh you know it's like the birth control or nothing that's which is which is terrible um and now there's so much research going into concussions mostly with males and and male sports but we Can't forget us females and how it affects our hormones too, and the support we need for that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, you mentioned, you know, Chase Berry and helping with that, like LH pulse, pulsatility. Is there anything else that you would use to, you know, possibly help to, you know, I keep saying jumpstart, but to jumpstart maybe like a female's natural cycle.
2: So I'm a big fan of things like vitamin E, natural vitamin E has been shown to be helpful. Um, Especially if you have any kind of insulin PCOS type stuff, myo inositol has been researched quite a bit on ovulation cycles, PCOS. So you'll see uh, myo is M-Y-O, myo inositol. A lot of the adrenal support, a lot of the adrenal herbs we call them adaptogens. They don't work just on the adrenals. They work on the brain as well because brain and brain signaling is what we're talking about. Um, a lot of those adaptogens you will hear like, you know, maybe ashwagandha or rhodiola, uh, ginseng, you know, eleutherococcus. People just put them in a box of like, oh, that's only for the adrenals. I'm like, no, no, it's, yep. it's the brain down. So those actually can be really helpful as well, especially if the amount of stress that you're under. And so those are generally vitamin C B five minerals. A lot of people are drinking water um, that are stripped of minerals, whether they're filtering them out or just drinking minerals and they're just not or mineral water that doesn't have a lot of minerals in it, or they don't have a lot of minerals in their life and our basic minerals, um, you know, is super, super important. And so sometimes it's, it's, it is truly repleting what we're missing. I mean, sometimes I've had patients like a multivitamin a B vitamin and a multi mineral, they were like, oh my gosh, my period came back. I'm like, man, you were depleted. <laughs> like, you didn't need all the herbs. What you needed was to replace the nutrients that you've just been missing for all this time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, that's essentially Dr. Carey's giving you permission to buy that bougie water that has like minerals, <laughs> like magnesium and like electrolytes. Calcium, all that stuff. <laughs> yes. Drink that bougie water. I love it. I love it. Ash, you have a, you want to wrap up that final question about lab work?
1: Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of us that, that struggle with, with not having our cycle, um, especially, you know, the competitors as well. So like what lab work would you recommend, Mm -hmm. um, you know, blood lab or blood work, if it's Dutch tests, like where do you start, um, Mm -hmm. where, you know people's, I guess, yeah. Like people who have these issues, like start, like where would be the first step? Because in my personal opinion, like, yeah, we can go off symptomology, but like, sometimes we want to like test and not always guess. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, uh, to me, first foremost, like, do you have your cycle or not? So if you haven't had your period in a long while, then I tend to not, um, jump like the estrogen, estradiol at progesterone testing is not, it's going to be low because you don't have a cycle. So I'm like, yeah, like, why would I, you know, I'm not going to pay for that. But I do want to cover the other things. I want to get your red and white blood cells. I want to get what's called a metabolic panel. I want to get a full thyroid panel on you. Mm-hmm. I want to see if you're um, iron deficient, you know, just which is super common in a lot of athletes. Vitamin D. Uh, I am looking also um, at uh, um, the prolactin. I mentioned earlier that prolactin, which is it's simple blood draw. It's very easy. It's generally covered by insurance because you don't have your cycle. So is prolactin the issue so you can see so if you don't have your cycle the first thing i'm doing is like is there anything else going on that i can help you get your cycle back now let's pretend you do have your cycle your cycle just sucks like your symptoms suck you you don't like what's happening you get migraines or pms or whatever it is they're heavy so now i am doing maybe more advanced hormone testing now i am maybe at probably adding in what's called a dutch test i want to see what is that estradiol doing plus its friends estrone and estriol I want to see what your progesterone is doing. Of course, I'm looking at your androgens, testosterone, D H E A S, cortisol. If you don't have a cycle, would I look at those hormones, testosterone, cortisol? Yes, absolutely. Um, because again, is it PCOS? Do I let's look at your androgens, testosterone. Let's look at your insulin and glucose. Let's look at your cortisol. Um, but if you have a cycle, then I I am trying to evaluate that further. Then I'm looking also. And again, this is all dependent on like what's going on, what are their symptoms, and what are your goals and what's your budget? So other testing can be really, really helpful, like GI testing, stool testing, poop in a cup for science. If somebody has a lot of inflammation, especially in their gut, being a competitive athlete is not helping because being a competitive athlete is actually very obviously very stressful. And there's a lot of research to show that competitive athletes often have wrecked guts because of the competition aspect of it. Well, anything you eat, breathe, drink, swallow goes through your gut. So if you can't absorb it or it's causing a war down there, that's only going to fuel a fire and make things worse. So now I'm like, well, let's see what's going on in the gut. So you can see these are options and I'm not telling people all these options of like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. I don't know what to choose. This sounds expensive. I'm like, well, hold on. If you, if you have major gut symptoms, if you're listening to this, like, yep, that's me. My gut's a mess, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, heartburn, whatever. Like, all right, let's start there. If you're like, man, I haven't had blood work in forever or ever. I've never had blood work and I don't have a period. I'm like, all right, let's start with the basics. Blood work, check your thyroid, check your D, check your white, blood, red blood cells. Let's do some basic stuff, run it through insurance. And if somebody else is like, no, no, I've had some blood work. I still like. I was told it's normal, but I feel like crap now. I'm like, all right, let's get into the Dutch testing. Let's get a little more advanced and see what's going on. And so it can be kind of a stepwise tier pattern depending on what's going on, what their goals are, and what the budget is.
1: Yeah, I, think that I
0: love that. that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and there's obviously tons of other types of testing out there. Oh my gosh, between mm-hmm. you know hair mineral or hair mineral analysis and food testing and uh, organic acid testing, pros and cons to all of it.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, there's all sorts of information out there about these t- genetic testing, you know, but these are just sort of the, the three areas, blood, hormone, gut. That might be the easiest to start with somebody who's like, man, I haven't done any of this ever. I'm like, all right,
0: let's start. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are those three tests, the the serum labs, the Dutch tests, and then the GI map are tests that, you know, Spokes and I are familiar with, because those are the ones that we typically order the most. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not doctors, right? So the fact that we're willing to, like, you know, work with, you know, precision analytics, you know, there's mm-hmm. laboratory diagnostics, you know, having companies that essentially provide athletes and patients the ability to learn what's in their own body. Cause I can't tell you how many times we've had the situation where, you know, the, uh, our athletes are feeling like crap and they yeah. go to their doctor and oh, everything's fine. You're fine. You're, with, you're within range. But it's like, yeah. okay, well, what's the difference between common mm-hmm. and optimal. And especially like understanding that like, you know, for thyroid, it's more than just TSH, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So the, with the fact that you have like these, these companies willing to provide essentially direct to consumer lab work is just phenomenal, right? It helps us so much with just not only being an advocate for your own health, because I've used Dutch products um, for myself and for my husband, even mm-hmm. I've used GI stool maps and it's mm-hmm. wonderful to be able to essentially Bypass a doctor who is unwilling to put your health first. And I don't yeah. want to bash doctors because obviously yeah. they are very, very, you know, clinically relevant, and we need them. But at the end of the day, it's like, are they willing to do what's for your betterment of your right. actual health? Are they willing to work with you?
2: Right. I saw I have a new primary care provider, and I saw him like a month ago. And he was like, What do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a naturopathic doctor. And he said, Well, what, what area do you focus in? I said, Hormones, endocrinology. And he was like, Oh, yeah, you guys do it differently than I do it. He goes, I don't even order hormones on people because it's complicated. I don't know what to do. It's like not worth it. And I was like, Cool, bro. Shit. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Like, is, you, this is probably what he tells all his patients who come in he and say, not. I feel hormonal. He just, I mean, he blew me off. I'm sure he, I didn't need him for hormone things, but it was our, like, what do you do for living question when I met him for the first time. And I was like, it's too complicated. So you just don't do it. You just blow it off. I mean, you know, I was like,
1: and it's one of those things too. That's like, if it's too complicated for you, like maybe referring out, but don't like unacknowledge it or don't just say, yeah, like that's, that's not a thing. Like we're not, we're not going to do that. And that's, yeah.
2: It's like Lyme disease, me and Lyme disease. Um, when patients that come and they're like, oh, I went testing for Lyme disease. I'm like, whoa, yes. Not my area. Like I need to refer you to a Lyme expert. You know, there's just key big areas in health that you just can't know everything. And it's okay to be like, oh yeah, I don't understand that hormones, mm-hmm. but I have this great colleague that I refer people to versus, oh no, I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that. That's, that's too complicated. That's
0: I I just know. like sweeping under the rug. I, I know.
2: I, do I know. I thought, <laughs> gosh. And then and and then being in the, you know, functional field, like we get all the crap, I'm like, oh, you're woo woo. I'm like, but oh, you're yeah. the one who just admitted you don't understand it. So you're not doing it.
0: <laughs> like yeah, we do things differently over here. Well, yeah. we do a lot of preventative, right? And a little, exactly. literally what, what folks and I do is a lot of just fixing a lot of things yeah. through diet, lifestyle, mm-hmm. training, supplementation. And we're giving people like their lives back mm-hmm. essentially because Western medicine, I don't want to say has failed them, but has at least done them a disservice where they've kind of given up on themselves.
1: Right. I will say that like Western medicine is, is very focused on keeping you alive and, you know, Oh cool. Like everything is normal, like for their standards, but it's not always optimal. It doesn't always make you feel well. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not always, you know, favorable for living a lifestyle. That's not where you're not in pain. You don't feel like shit every day. Mm -hmm. Um, You have like a normal menstrual cycle. Like it's just, they're different viewpoints. I should say. And like you said, they there's things that they don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole because it's in, in your experience difficult.
2: Right. And it's true. Hormones are difficult for, I get it. That's like hurting cats a lot of times, but doesn't mean you shouldn't acknowledge (laughs) them or at least refer them or try. Absolutely. Validate the person in front of you. That sounds yeah, sounds like hormones, but that's not me. Let me send you to somebody.
0: Absolutely, Dr. Carey, thank you so much for your time today. I mean, I every podcast we have a guest on, especially like a really deep dive episode. I am always excited to go back and like listen to it once it gets published because <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'm like in the moment trying to make sure that like I'm asking like questions that make sense, <laughs> and it's like I sometimes miss over the information or like. I'll, you know, retain something that you said, but then I'll go back and like, I didn't even know she said that. I was like, <laughs> I'm ecstatic to listen to you again. And honestly, if you're willing, we'd love to have you back on and maybe do an episode about birth control, kind of oh, like doing yeah. some myth busts about that. Yeah. Because I know like, there's just so many things taught incorrectly, or again, women don't know, like, is this good? Is this bad? Like, I don't want to get pregnant, but I still don't know what to do because they're just, on a pill. And it's like, yeah. we could just do a, a whole another episode on, you know, female physiology and birth control.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I will say in the meantime, if anyone is on the birth control and like, yeah, I want that episode. Definitely get Dr. Jolene Brighton's book beyond the pill. She is a mm-hmm. wealth of information and a good resource, um, for that. I know I have,
0: it's in my,
2: my top shelf there, the pink, pink yep. and, like she's in the pink.
0: <laughs> I love yes. it. Yes. I love it. Yeah. That was an amazing book and something that I recommend that every female reads, but also if you're coaching females, do mm-hmm. you read that? Because you need to understand female physiology because we're not li- little males. We're not little males. Not little males. That's the truth. Awesome. Dr. Carrie, thank you again. Where can people find more about you um, just either to learn from you or even just, you know, get to know you a little bit better?
2: I, well, you, I hang out on Instagram, um, at com. I am dipping my toe into TikTok. God help me, which is at Dr. Carrie Jones and website, drcarriejones.com. And if there are practitioners and, um, you know, coaches and stuff listening, I am the head of medical education at Rupa health and they have a whole platform of lab work as well. So rupahealth.com. I love it. Thank, yes. you. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank we appreciate you. it.
1: Yeah. Spill, yeah. anything from you? No, I, I'm just thinking about like my walk on Thursday morning and like listening to this again. I um, know it's like, I mean, like a few little notes and I'm just like, shit, I want to listen to it again. Like, I'm, I'm just so happy. This was such a good episode and thank you so much. I think it's going to help a lot of our listeners and just educate them a little bit more. And, and even any female or male in that, in that matter, um, yeah. about our cycles. So thank you. Thank you again.
0: Thank you both. Absolutely. Well, all right, guys, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Adios.